In this episode of the podcast, I will be talking about the fundamentals of exposure and how to get the best exposed image for your camera. It doesn't really matter which type of camera you have, whether it's an automatic camera, whether it's a manual camera, but at least this will give you some basics on how to use your camera, the camera that you have to get the best results. Now, this is an image that I took at the Banff National Park in Alberta. Now this image here is actually an example of what I would call a really well exposed photo. You can see the mountains in the background and you can see that the mountains are just as exposed as you would see in real life. The trees and the bushes in the foreground have a natural color to them and they have the natural exposure to them. The lake has the right exposure to it. Even the clouds in the background also have that definition to them. The clouds are not blown out. And the key thing to also note is that in the trees you can see details, you can see definition. It's not just a blur of shadows. So here I will give you some tips and tricks on how to achieve the best exposure regardless of the camera that you have. For more on this topic, you can visit my website filmphoto.net. I have an article on this so you can actually go and read it and take the time and practice that. There are three elements of a good exposed image that you can control. The first element is the ISO, which is the sensitivity of your film, or in the case of digital photography, the sensor. Now in film photography, considering that the ISO cannot always be modified or be changed, because a lot of the cameras, the ISO is read automatically from the film that you put in there, and only few cameras allow you to actually adjust the setting of the ISO in camera once the film is put in. If you are fortunate enough to have a camera that allows you to adjust the ISO, then you can actually use that to your advantage. But if you're like most people who have cameras that do not have that setting in there, um, then just know that that may not be an option for you to use ISO to actually change your exposure. The other thing also to note is that there are certain cameras, um, especially some TLRs, those are the twin lens reflexes, that have ISO dials on them that do not have any effect on your exposure. They're just there to help you remember what ISO of film you have in there so that when you use a light meter, you're able to adequately um, use the light meter and to make the right settings on the light meter. It's just a reminder. One example is the Yashica 635. That one has a dial for ISO that doesn't do anything to change your exposure levels. So the ISO is the first element. Sometimes you can change it, sometimes you can't. Basically increasing the sensitivity of your film. So if you are in a dimly lit situation and you have already loaded your film in the camera, what you do is you can basically lower your ISO in the camera. If the camera allows you to change the ISO, you reduce the sensitivity. So now the camera assumes that you have a lower ISO film loaded 
for example you have an ISO 400 loaded but it's super dark out there or maybe just you know dimly lit but you can technically uh, change your setting to ISO 200 so now you're shooting one stop overexposed so what happens is that now your camera is thinking or assuming that you have actually ISO 200 loaded therefore it has to either decrease the shutter speed by one stop or increase the aperture by one stop to allow in more light because you have a lesser um, sensitive film loaded so that's that's one way in which you can use ISO to adjust for the exposure based on the lighting situation that you're in the second element is the aperture setting what is the aperture the aperture is represented by the f setting this is literally how much light you are getting into your camera or to your sensor so think of it as the opening that allows light into your camera through the lens onto your film depending on the size of the opening you are getting more light or less light the aperture size is controlled by a dial, usually on the lens, for manual lenses or by software for most DSLRs. The lower the ISO, say 1.4 or 1.8, that's f1.4 or f1.8, the larger the opening and the more the light that gets to the sensor. Aperture also controls the depth of field. So the depth of field is how blurry the background appears. Basically the separation of your subject from the background, how separated it seems or it appears. For example, for lower F stops, F1.4, F1.8, you're going to end up with a more blurry background. That means that you have an increased depth of field. So the appearance of a depth a separation from the background will be higher. So the F setting or the aperture setting not only determines how much light gets onto your film, but also determines the look that you're getting. So take note of that. So for example, if you're shooting portraits, you probably would want to use a lower F setting, which means that you want to introduce more blurriness to the background, more separation between your subject and your background. It creates that more professional look, that more beautiful look with that separation, especially for portraits. However, if you are shooting landscapes, oftentimes you don't want that. You actually want more things to be in focus. So usually for landscapes, you're looking at a higher F7, say F16 or F32, which means that the aperture is going to be smaller in those settings. So depending on whether you are doing portrait photography or landscape photography, you are trying to get a certain look, okay, based on the depth of field that I spoke about. And because you are trying to either um, get a blurry background or more stuff in focus in the case of landscape, you may end up with less or more light coming in to your film. So that's one thing to take note of, especially for landscape photography. Because you want more stuff to be in focus, 
Landscape photography is important that you make sure that you're shooting in well-lit situations, okay? Because you're compensating with the amount of light. Otherwise, what you're gonna end up with is you're shooting at f16 and it's overcast. You're gonna need another element to compensate for that lower light that's coming in, right? And that other element could be the ISO which I spoke about how to adjust the ISO to compensate for that or the third element which is shutter speed. Shutter speed is the third key element which determines a good exposure. So this is how long the shutter stays open for. It affects how much light is getting to the sensor because the longer the shutter stays open the more light gets to the sensor. Now there are certain rules of photography that you should also note in this case. In a situation where I talked about your shooting landscape, you have less light coming in because the aperture is smaller, so you need more light in the background or more light in the surroundings. Now if there isn't enough light and your image is not going to be well exposed, now what you need to do is you want to adjust the shutter speeds to compensate for that. Below a certain shutter speed, you're going to get camera blur. It's quite easy to get camera blur. So um, usually it's also dependent on the focal length of the lens that you're shooting with. But a general rule is that if you're shooting handheld, an inverse of the focal length of your lens is the limit by which there will be blur introduced if you go lower. So for example, if I'm shooting with a focal length lens of, uh, let's say a 15 millimeter lens, the general rule indicates that if I'm going past 1 50th of a second, because the focal length of the lens is 50 millimeters, if I'm going below 1 50th of a second, there's going to be a noticeable blur. So you're gonna have to put your camera on a tripod when you're shooting lower or slower than an inverse of the focal length of the lens that you're using. So if you're using a zoom lens, say a 500 millimeter lens, some of those big lenses especially, those big lenses are also notorious for having not a sharp focus and oftentimes people ignore that because you might think that there's enough light but the fact is that the bigger the focal length the greater the risk of also introducing that blur so if you have a 500 millimeter lens the shutter speed that you should not go below is 1 over 500th of a second that's actually quite fast think about it so that means that if you're shooting anything around that or lower you need to make sure that your camera is on a tripod and that's why you see these photographers these uh, bird photographers and wildlife photographers who have those big lenses they tend to mount them on a tripod that is the exact reason why they do that because those big focal length lenses the inverse of their focal length means that they have to shoot at really high shutter speeds or there will be a blur if you're going to hold the camera. So the easiest solution is to put it on a tripod because oftentimes how many situations have you been in where you actually have enough light to shoot 
at 1 over 500th of a second or faster. Those situations are not common, especially in uh, if you're out in the wild, you know? So that is the relationship between the lens that you're using and the shutter speed. So now, so far I've talked about ISO, how you can use ISO to compensate for your lighting. I've talked about aperture, how you can use aperture or your aperture settings to compensate for your lighting or how it actually affects how much light is getting to your film. I've also talked about shutter speed and how you can use shutter speed to affect how much light is actually getting to your film or the exposure of your image. So there's also one thing to note uh, when you hear about fast lenses or slow lenses. So a fast lens usually has a very low aperture, say f1.2, f1.4. And the reason is that when you use those lenses at those apertures, that aperture is so wide it allows in so much light that in those settings you can actually use a faster shutter speed because the aperture is so wide, right? So that's why we call them fast lenses. Now to get good exposure as a beginner, I would recommend that if your camera allows it that you shoot in aperture priority mode. In aperture priority mode, you set the aperture depending on the look that you're looking for, whether it's portrait, whether it's landscape, whether you're taking a close-up macro shot, and you have to take note of your ISO setting. And the camera will automatically set the appropriate shutter speed to match. So you can also use the shutter priority mode and the camera will set the corresponding aperture for you. Now only shoot in manual if your camera has an assisted manual mode. Uh, some cameras such as the Canon AE-1 or the AE-1 program does have the, that assisted manual mode. So even though you're shooting in manual, it will still suggest your shutter speed and your aperture combinations that you can use. And also you need to make sure that you are adept with using the light meter or alternatively the Sunny 16 rule. And the sunny 16 rule of exposure is another principle that I will be talking about in another episode of this podcast. There are other tricks that you can use to ensure that you have good exposure. Now, these are some of the practices that you should probably make a habit of. Shoot with a tripod in low light settings. You can also shoot with a remote trigger with a tripod in low light situations to decrease the blur and to improve the sharpness of your image. The second point or the second key tip is that you make sure that at any given time your shutter speed is faster than the inverse of the focal length of the lens that you are shooting with. Otherwise you will notice a distinct blur or softness in your image. Exposure should not be compromised. And the third point is use the mirror lock feature if your camera has it. Now, what is the mirror lock feature? Some SLRs have the ability to lock the mirror in place after you are done composing your image. It's usually a switch that you can just move. It lifts the mirror and locks it in place so that when you're ready to shoot or you're ready to expose for your image, this mirror, which is used to help you see in an SLR because it's a single lens reflex, 
and the reflex is the mirror that helps you see what the what the lens is composing right so that mirror the motion of that mirror when it flips to allow all the light in that flip of the mirror tends to shake the camera just slightly that in situations when you're using a slow shutter speed that could actually become a, a problem and it can lead to a motion blur or a soft image so the mirror lockup feature allows you to keep that mirror off after you've done composing your image and then allows you to shoot your image with no camera shake so that's the purpose of it so use it as much as possible to your advantage now what good will it be if it's just the mirror lockup feature because even the motion of pressing the shutter can also shake the camera to some extent so I usually would recommend that in addition to the mirror lockup feature that you also use uh, a cable release you know because a lot of these cameras come with a port that allows you to attach your cable release your shutter release cable and a shutter release cable use it when you attach it you press it after you've cocked your shutter and it just shoots your image your mirror lockup is already engaged so there's no shake in the camera you're going to end up with a sharper image the last point that i will give you is that be mindful of backlights because backlights do affect your image and your exposure so backlit situations do not follow the normal conventions that i've described above it's always better to avoid backlights as much as possible. Never shoot with the sun behind your image unless you're looking for a silhouette effect. It is never a good idea to try to fight the sun. You will not win because the sun is so bright that it will overcome most of the uh, settings that you can put in place to compensate for it. So if you can avoid it, if you can just shift your uh, composition so that the sun to, is to your side but not directly in front of you, that would really be helpful. Um, also, take note of the fact that you can also use flash units to actually help you with your exposure. As much as possible, if you have a flash unit, you can attach it and that will help you to light your subject if you are in a backlit situation especially. There is also a feature that you need to be mindful of which is the auto exposure lock button to expose for the shadows. This is a feature that allows you to expose for any part of your composition. You go close, you hold on to that auto exposure lock, you expose for that and when you actually fire it is metered to that particular thing that you exposed for. So in those situations or in a backlit situations, you can use that feature to expose for what is in the shadows. And when you shoot, the backlight is not um, what is exposed for so that your subject is actually visible and not in, a, in the shadows, right? Now, if your camera does not have this auto exposure lock feature, my general conventional advice to you would be to overexpose your image by about one or 1 1.5 stops 
and in that way you basically are overexposing your image and therefore you can actually have your subject well exposed and last but not the least guys don't forget to have fun don't forget to have fun this whole thing is about having fun don't let any of this stress you out sometimes you also learn by making mistakes so if you make a mistake just dust yourself off and know that it's not the end of the world okay so guys thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast and i hope that you have a wonderful wonderful day until the next time if you guys can share this or even like or even subscribe to this channel i really appreciate it thanks so much guys and have a wonderful and blessed day okay take care bye bye